1: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor. The Sabres pulled out an impressive 3-2 to win in overtime over the Tampa Bay Lightning on Tuesday night. You and I both had the absolute pleasure of being in attendance at this one. And let me tell you, it was quite the eventful game. So we're going to get into, of course, the excitement of that game, including Dylan Cousins' thrilling overtime goal. But before we get into the specifics of the game itself... Because this was our first game of the season for the two of us, we did not go to the season opener. It was our first opportunity at getting a look at some of the changes that were made in KeyBank Center in the offseason. And I got to tell you, even though they maybe didn't have the substantial ones that I think a lot of people have been calling for, there was still some pretty solid changes, I thought, pretty good upgrades, I should say, to the arena, to the concourse, to the food options available, to the merch available, and then also the in-game presentation as well. And so we thought we'd start off talking about that a little bit. For starters, let's talk a little bit about food, Taylor, because you and I both noticed right off the bat that they had a handful of updated concession areas that They just completely overhauled. There was one that when you walk in, I believe it's right around outside about like 100, 101, right around that area that it's now like this updated, pretty sleek looking like Coca-Cola setup there where they have gourmet sandwiches and burgers and stuff like that, that I thought was pretty cool. Looked really nice. Looked like it was a much needed facelift there, which I thought was great. As you're going around to, there was a few parts, a few different stands, I should say, throughout the arena and the concourse where... You were able to get beef on whack sandwiches and a couple of other those kind of like sliced meat sandwiches, which I thought were great. They had upgraded some of the concessions along like from like 114 to 119, 120, that whole kind of food court area there where you have like Salsaritas and then you have obviously the Key Bank Center specific stuff. Upgraded that with some new items there had their new uh, fried chicken sandwich over on that side. It was pretty good. They have waffle fries now there too. So even beyond like some of just like the facelift stuff, I thought it was nice that they really, I think upped the menu a little bit and expanded upon it and made it a little bit more bang for your buck. Like I feel better about spending 12 bucks on a sandwich and fries If it means that, like, I'm actually getting something that's a little bit different or nicer than just rinky-dink chicken fingers that they get out of a freezer or something like that. So I guess before we move on to some of the presentation stuff, what were your thoughts on that, Taylor? Like, did the food and, like, the new upgrades that they had to the
0: kind of food and
1: vending areas, were you impressed by
0: that? Yeah, I was, and I think there's, uh, there's something to that. Uh, we, we both know, cause we've talked about this in the pod before the new bill stadium coming, Delaware North will not be doing food service there. That is going to be legends owned by Jared Jones and Hal Steinbrenner. And boy, has that decision um, had some consequences in the past uh-huh. few months for PSE and, and whatever. But anyway, more importantly to what I was saying was Delaware North knows obviously that the Pagoulas own both. And I think they probably are feeling the heat. Like we got to step yep. up our game this this is uh, what's been going on in the arena hasn't been good enough and we don't want to get replaced here too. I would almost guarantee that I'd have no inside information and I can't say for sure. That's what happened, but I mean, come on, that's probably what happened. Right. Cause all of a sudden after being there for almost 30 years, instead of getting like one new cool food place a year, it's totally different and it's much better. And frankly, it's totally redesigned. Like the one we went to, you just walk up, there's they have like four or five options, but you just walk up and find it. Whatever. They have it sitting out on a little warmer thing. You just find it, get it, bring it to a person, and uh that's cool. Uh and I you know, I thought there's a lot of options there that I was it was one of the only times where I was like at the arena, didn't have time to eat dinner, and I was like, Wow, where do I go? So many choices. And I don't mean that sarcastically. No, it was the truth <laughs> <That> for real. <laughs> yeah, we we actually were like, where should we go? One of these places. We turned <laughs> down going to Salseritas to go to, um, no, just try God. one of these things. But yeah, it's really cool. So that, that part specifically, but you should probably get in some of these other things here. Yeah. Uh, you wrote some of them down.
1: I did, yeah. And I will say, though, we're not even, like, blowing smoke. There literally was a moment. We walked in, and as soon as we got up the escalator, the first thing we saw was, like, that Coca-Cola stand. And then we saw them. We're like, oh, my God, this is new. Well, first game, we should probably go take a look around, like, do a lap around the arena, see what the other new options are, and then we'll decide from there. And we literally did our lap, and by the time we got to outside of our section... We both were like, well, what do you want to do? And it was just like this back and forth of being like, I don't know. I mean, that sounded kind of good, but this also sounded kind of good. And we were like, Salsaritas? And we were like, nah, we don't need to do that. We got to try something new. And so it, it was nice though, that it felt like for the first time, it wasn't, you're going around the the arena to try and find like one option that's like suitable or good or like the standout thing. It was like, holy shit, there's like four or five things now that I can conceivably get. And if I don't get something now, I know I'm going to give it a try the next time too. So I thought that was really nice. Let's get into some of the other presentation stuff. So, for starters, new intro, which I thought was great, uh, like the intro video and song. I think that was really good. I- I'm totally blanking on it now. And I meant to write it down yesterday, but the intro song that plays like while they do like the video presentation before and that they come out to was giving me major Auth Sabers vibes, uh, you know, where it was kind of like that like upbeat alt rock kind of style song. And just it felt, I don't know. For some reason, it just like took me back to that time of 05 to 2010 times when they were leaning into that style a little bit more. Integrating RJ into the presentation, I thought was excellent. RJ announces the team on the ice as they come onto the ice, which I thought was great. Anytime they score, they have RJ's voice coming over the the speakers, like doing one of his famous calls. I, I thought that that was great the way that they integrated that. If I'm not mistaken, I could totally be wrong with Was there an, a transition into overtime too where they had him come over the speakers? I, I could be wrong. I don't know if I'm I just think, like, yeah, I think so. Well, right. I thought there was something. So I thought that was just like a beautiful touch the way that they they handled that. And then additionally, there was some other stuff that we saw too. Like they added in the Pokemon level up sound when they came off of the penalty kill and went back to even strength. There was a couple of other little like sound effects that they had included that I thought were kind of interesting that they definitely had never done before. All of this stuff is obviously great. I think what is the best part about it? And I don't mean to say this in a way that it's like, oh my God, he's setting the bar criminally low, but I like that they're trying stuff. I like that they're trying to integrate new things into the game presentation, new food options, new things to, uh, you know, spice up like the sounds of the game a little bit, to get younger fans engaged, to get older fans be- to be engaged and stuff like that. It's just the fact that they're trying and they're they're testing this new stuff out I think is really great. Like it's not like all the stuff that we're saying right now aside from probably RJ and the food is going to be what it is for the rest of the season, but I have no problem with them seeing what they have, seeing what sticks, because ultimately that's how you're going to end up finding those things that become these really cool, unique Sabres game day experience features. What are your thoughts?
0: I think it's just night and day from 10 years ago. It is, it's so cool. Five years ago. Yeah, yeah, even from five years ago. And yeah, it, it always helps that there's a good team worth cheering for, but it's also just so cool to see like, how on on the ball people are and this i think this goes hand in hand with their social media and not even just social media like their i guess media in general is a way to put it with like sabers embedded and like the video they put out today where they essentially did like uh god what is the name of that tv show the prank tv show whatever it's called uh they did some version of that jokers Impractical jokers yeah they did a version of that uh with guys going undercover that was really cool but yeah like so Devin Levi says, you know, he has this weird Qui Gon Jinn thing, and then he says to the media, you know, I uh, yeah I like Star Wars, and then they have the cool lightsaber sound. Yeah, that goes over. Like that was that,
1: another one that was so. You're right. I completely forgot that they had that. that I mean, come on, you have gotta lean all the way into that.
0: Yeah, and, you know, like you mentioned integrating RJ there. That's something they could have done for years. Honestly, like that's that's one of the coolest calls I have. Here come the Buffalo Sabers, uh, and yeah, in general, it's it's just. It's awesome being there now, and now all we need is six to seven thousand more fans at uh, weekday games. But yeah. uh, that'll come once people start buying season tickets again. I guess in due time, it'll come if if in... they make the playoffs this year. No doubt next year, in my mind, that they'll be close to sell out every night.
1: It, oh, one hundred percent. It's just proving that the product on the ice is here to stay and of high quality, and that will all come hand in hand with that for sure. Do we want to get into the game itself because it was a good one? Yeah. And who knows, folks, maybe if we're lucky at the end, we'll let you know about mine and Taylor's encounter with a Tampa Bay (laughs) fan. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, boy. Uh, Anyways, though. So, folks, three to two overtime win. Taylor, I'm just going to kind of give an overview of the game itself here, some of the plays that really caught my eye that I just had taken note of as the game was going on and things that stood out to me. Um, So, for starters, the big news of the day. Don Granato listens to straight up Sabres because folks to a T we had said on Monday, move Krebs up to Olafson's spot, bench Olafson, and put Jost in Krebs spot on the fourth line. And let me tell you folks, Donnie meatballs listened, and it's paying dividends because I am not even exaggerating Taylor. There were about three plays in the first 10 minutes of the game that Tyson Jost made that I don't think I've seen Victor Olafson make in his entire career. <laughs> I, I know. I know that sounds ridiculous. But it's it was incredible just how different it was having Jost on the ice in that slot. And we know you know, when it comes to Jost, he's not somebody that's going to light the world on fire or anything like that. But what he is is a reliable defensive forward that can contribute offensively in the little ways that you need a guy to down the lineup at five on five. There were, like I said, a few plays. There was one that was just on the forecheck, and he was just tenacious out there. And it's like, I don't think I've ever seen Olofsson get after it in that way and really challenge a guy and make them cough up a puck his assist on the Gergensen's goal I thought was was excellent um and in general there was just a a couple of very quality just quick passes gets the puck on a stick gets it off to his line mate and advancing the play off the ice that I was just uh, again it's night and day it's little things like that being able to keep your head above water in transition, being able to when you get like to just successfully get the puck into the neutral zone, into the offensive zone, and having a sustained zone entry and possession in the offensive zone. And that fourth line, I thought, was able to do a really good job of that out of the gate. The third line, I I, seeing it in person, I, I think is just so different than watching it on TV. They're great when I've seen them on TV. Like the first two games, the middle stat Greenway and Benson line was great. Seeing it in person though, was an entirely different ball game. And I'll tell you this, for one, Jordan Greenway looks like a completely different player from last year in person. Seeing him, saw him a couple games last year in person. He really didn't do anything for me. This was a completely different guy that I saw out there actually being a physical presence out there actually being able to throw his body right. It lends to the question of like, maybe was he like harboring an injury or something down the stretch last year? I don't know, but, or whatever the degree to it was, we, we don't know, but looks like everyone he, seems he, to think so. Yeah. He looks like a completely different player here. Zach Benson, man. I cannot begin to tell you how impressed I am. Obviously we know about the skill level, his skills off the charts, He has great stick handling ability, his playmaking, passing ability, offensive creativity. It's all there. He has an unbelievable calm confidence in his defensive zone with the puck on his stick. And like, I know we've been saying that like, yeah, he's a great defensive player. Like he's shown that in juniors that this is a guy that's going to be a full 200 foot player. But again, it's like seeing it in person. There were a couple of plays that I just want to point out. There's one where he led a breakout where he brought the puck behind his own net with a guy on him. He ends up making a move to skate by the guy cutting through the ice, makes the breakout pass puck goes up the ice. You get a scoring chance right off of that. The next shift that he has at five on five, because I think there was a penalty in between there that he was out there for, but his next shift at five on five, He has the puck pretty deep in the, in his defensive zone along the boards there, the puck comes onto a stick and he's got a guy coming at him. And he was able to just make this very smooth, very collected, like sidestep pass back to, I believe it was Eric Johnson. Johnson gets it up the ice, leads it to a breakout. And again, you not only get a, a scoring chance off of that, it also leads to a clean change. And on top of that, you're able to withstand a potential offensive threat there. So it was just remarkable seeing not only the skill, and obviously the defensive side of his game was great too, but I think the thing that lends to all of that is that he anticipates the game so well. Like, it's insane. And the last thing I'll say about the third line in general is that Casey, again, just very very good start to the year here greenway good start that whole third line we were kind of saying yesterday we're talking about a three game sample size this is maybe the best third line that they have had since they made the playoffs last maybe even earlier than that in terms of how quality and good a third line is because the the top line i thought that they really all overall had a pretty solid game they just needed to fall like i i thought that I mean, obviously Skinner had a great goal there. We'll get to that, but the top line, it's going to fall. Cousins obviously ended up getting rewarded in overtime there, but it hasn't been the best start to the season for that second line. This third line has literally been like leading the charge for them. So before I move on with uh, talking through some of the observations from the game, just your thoughts on both Joe's coming into the lineup and the third line as well.
0: This is not just the best third line they've had since the playoffs. It's the first good first third line. They've had, and I don't know how long, they've never have a good third line. We said uh, since I the think... Rav
1: line, maybe, I don't know
0: that that's, that's, yeah, that's like 15 years ago. I mean, yeah. Oh, six Oh seven. Yeah. Wow. That unfortunately is 17 years ago. Uh, <clears> But <throat> I I think it's, It's worth noting that the Sabres have had, like, good first lines. I mean, they had a good first line the last couple years. They also had, you know, when Eichel was around, he was always good in the first line. They occasionally have good second line, like last Mm -hmm. year. They've had some good fourth lines because of, like, Larson, Gergensen, Zaposo, you know, different guys like that. Never the third line. The third line is always a mess. It's always like, can we put uh, Vlad Sabaca with Cody Eakin? Would that work? (laughs) They were together just it's always shit like that like i don't i don't know what we're going to do with all these guys uh can we put victor Olofsson with uh benoit pouliot like it's it's just it's been so bad so <clears throat> yeah to have it not only be a good line but like the most consistent line through three games is pretty wild and it's it's an interesting uh trio of skill sets like you said greenway's played a lot better I 100% agree with that, by the way. Greenway has been significantly better this year, and he looked in, in person just confirmed that. He looks awesome. Like, it's jarring how big he is in person. He's a big boy. Uh, and he moves, too. You know, he's not going to be like a 30-goal score or whatever, but he actually looks good in his own zone, which was what the problem, I think, last year. It's like, if you're going to have a guy that's limited offensive ceiling, he better be good in his own zone. And he he is. I mean, he has been so far. Benson is just like a menace all over the ice everywhere
1: yeah (laughs) all three phases of the game it's nuts
0: and i'm skipping over middle stat because i think he's just kind of been the same as last year which is good it's not a bad thing but it's nothing new to add there for me so far but benson is just it hasn't at no point has he like shied away from anything you know being 18 and not being a top 10 pick being 13th or whatever he was you know he came in for prospect camp like hey he looks pretty good here he's at the prospect challenge in August. Hey, he looks pretty good here. The preseason. Wow. He looks really good in preseason. These are NHL players and now playing against full NHL lineups in the regular season. He looks good. <laughs> he's yeah, good. Right. At pa- he's passing. He's uh, a menace in in the other zone. Like, I'm not going to say he's a fully rounded defensive game, but like, he's the kind of guy where you're like, oh shit, where'd the puck go? Kind of guy. He gets in there and he just, he's a smart guy. He, I kind of agree with all the things you said, but he's the kind of guy that I don't know what his ceiling is, but right now his floor is super high. Yeah. Like, I think I think the best compliment that you could probably give them
1: is yes, three games in, but like this is what a third line on
0: a like playoff contending team is supposed to look like. And yeah, we have have that. Absolutely. Yeah. So that line has been good in both zones, I would say. And then, you know, the first line looked a lot better yesterday, I think. Well, you asked about Jost. Yeah. Sorry. Jost. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Huge upgrade immediately. Cause he's good at five on five and he, no one's going to confuse him with Tage Thompson when it comes to goal scoring prowess or anything like that, but he can, he can hold his own, especially in his own zone at five on five. That makes him worth playing over Olofsson. Uh, Sorry, bud. Like there's no place for you here anymore. So I think Jost Joe's playing that way. Crub's playing up the lineup a little bit. It's it's a good temporary thing. Quinn comes back at some point. And, you know, the way things are going through three games, we're a third of the way through Benson's audition. So far, I would say there's no reason I wouldn't keep him up for the whole year.
1: I think that is what it's trending towards, especially if he continues playing that way. So let's keep it rolling then, Taylor. We move on to the first line here, and we can start talking about that. And I think a great place to start with that is Jeff Skinner's goal. Oh, baby, that puck movement, for one. Owen Power finding him cross ice from his uh, his side of the point from the left point to the right goalpost and Skinner just doing what he does he he puts that shit away ten times out of ten he buries in front of the net like that it was an unbelievable pass from Owen Power though we'll get to him in a little bit but I thought that was a great reward for the first line because overall like we said Tage Tuck and Skinner did not get off to the start of the year that we were hoping for. We had said in our Monday episode that it was really disappointing that between Darlene, the top line and cousins, that there was only one point between them through these first two games. And thankfully that changed yesterday. And again, I I thought that they were buzzing out there. Like it took them a couple of shifts to really find their groove, but once they got out there, they, they were humming on offense, that, that top line. And it was like, they would be out there. And it felt like the chemistry was there where they were able to make a lot of like very smooth no look passes to one another they were able to flow in the offensive zone in a way where it wasn't static with them moving the puck around which is I think is like a hallmark of what makes them so special is that they all know how to cover for each other and positionally know how to like fill in the gaps for the other person. So I thought it was great. I think as far as Tage goes, he had a couple of really good opportunities. They teed him up a couple of times on the power play there and obviously didn't end up amounting to anything, but they're going to burst through. I, that last night made me feel so much better about the first line. And it's just a matter of time. Like you have Skinner doing his thing. Like I said, just being a menace out there and being great in front of the net. I thought that Tuck, probably had of the three the roughest start to the season but again there was a lot that I liked from Tuck's game last night too I think that there was a couple of really nice plays he had in his own zone a couple of nice plays on the four check as well and then again just generating some of those offensive chances I thought that they all were kind of carrying their weight there it's just a matter of them being able to finish and we know that with the offensive talent and and physicality that Tuck has and with Tage's just pure star power and shooting ability that it's only a matter of time before they're going to start falling. So give me a sense of how you felt the first line played last night. And if you think that that's a sign of more to come.
0: Yeah, I think it's basically a continuation of the second half of the Islanders game. They're playing well, they're getting chances, but they're not just not going in Skinner did score. So we should say that was part of the improved game day presentation. Seeing. Oh my God. person. <laughs> That was really cool. How did we not um, talk about it? Oh, it was so Jeff good. Jeff Skinner's got quite quite a goal song. Yeah, let's do a quick sidebar here because yeah. the goal songs are a part of this that I forgot because I think it's year three of goal songs. Yep. That has been such a great addition. I thought Let Me Clear My Throat was great a couple years ago, but it's coincided with such bad times that I you had to kind of move on from it. And the best way they could have done that was the individualized goal songs, even though the guy that scores the most goals refuses to have an interesting, good goal song. Brutal. We'll we'll leave that for now. It just it it's cool and Jeff Skinner has been the best part of it, and he's had two really inspired choices the last two years. But Breaking Free is uh, qu- quite a interesting choice uh, from High School Musical, which Brendan was a big fan of back in the day. I was. Oh yeah, big High School Musical guy.
1: Damn, you know what's funny is that I'm pretty sure I might even still have it to this day somewhere, like laying around either in my apartment or at my dad's. But I had the they had like the Wii like rock band version of it. it was like the sing-along thing. And like, I don't know how I'd ended up being in my house at some point. I think it was just like, it was like the thing at the time and I have two older sisters. And so like my mom probably just got it as some gag or whatever, but I got it. I thought it was just it for one. It's a great goal song. I'm not going to lie. Like it is Yeah, amazing for the vibe that it sets. It's amazing for the fact that the opposing team has to not only deal with the fact that they just got scored on by Jeff Skinner, but now they have Troy and Gabriella singing their goddamn fucking hearts out while they are miserable trying to come back after a goal by Jeff Skinner. And I think the other side of it is as great as like the vibe was after it is also fucking hilarious. I was laughing as soon as it started playing. I started dying laughing. Oh, it was yeah, amazing. absolutely it was amazing. I
0: think uh, they had Craig Anderson there to like, what do they call that? Like bang the drum before the game. Yeah the, the, yeah. the charge type thing. Cool to see Craig Anderson. So I'm glad he was there. Really low energy response from the 8,000 people in the arena. Sorry, Craig. But I I think mic season- was
1: low too. I thought, wasn't it? Didn't it seem yeah, like a little
0: low. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. um They should bring in Corbin blue to do that at some point this year. Oh, can you imagine they could get Corbin Blue definitely. easily. What are any, uh, What's
1: Ashley Tisdale up to these days? That's someone they could get too. Absolutely. Listen, I'm not seeing Zac Efron in any movies lately.
0: Yeah, I there We'd was. Some, better than I would. Zac Zac Efron's still doing stuff. I yeah. know he's he still was, in stuff,
1: but is he anything? Actively? He's too
0: big. He's too big. Absolutely too big. Mm. And so is Vanessa Hudgens.
1: Maybe Haley Steinfeld knows somebody and can maybe place a call for us. You know. Interesting. Mm. Uh,
0: a very interesting. I'm just saying. Uh, there was a lot of talk in the the old Twitter timeline today, but people that didn't really know what high school musical was or why it was a big deal. I thought that was interesting mm-hmm. uh, because if someone I could say, I know we were joking about this earlier, how you, you were a big fan. You had an East high wildcats Jersey that said Brad boys on the back, Yep, but you weren't actually a huge fan and neither was I, I mean, no. we were both in middle school for this, but girls loved it. And some guys loved it too. And I looked it up today because in my memory, I remember it being the biggest thing in the world. I was like, was I just in middle school? The The premiere of High School Musical 2 on Disney Channel had an average of 17 million people watching <laughs> it. More than 17 million. It was like 17.8 million when it premiered, which was, I'm pretty sure, uh, in summer, like 07-ish, I want to say. Wow. That's crazy. That amount of people have never watched the Stanley Cup. That's more than most NBA Finals games. That's most more than most recent World Series games. Oh my god. So yeah, it was super popular, it turns out. Yeah. But like definitely a limited age range. So if you're like thirty four or older right now, I would say you might have missed it. Thirty five or older maybe. But yeah, I saw some people being like, I think it's a show on Disney Plus. Which it is. Uh, but like yeah. that's not what that's not what Breaking Free is from.
1: The OG. Yeah.
0: That was – and you know what? I think Jeff Skinner is big Vine guy because that there was actually a famous Vine with Breaking Free. Like, geez, that was almost like 10 years ago now. Well, and also Ben Mathewson did the whole – I think there's people who believe,
1: count me among them, that Jeff Skinner is on Twitter. Like in Sabre's Twitter somehow because this is two years in a row that Ben Mathewson's videos, when they had announced that they were doing the individual goal songs, that – that he correctly predicted it he made videos he did i want to dance with somebody and then now breaking free i mean granted he did i think like 10 of them or something they were all just ben excellent job i think he maybe listens to the podcast if you are listening ben awesome fucking job with that congratulations you are the man amazing but i think that jeff skinner is secretly on twitter
0: i could see it definitely there's so many athletes who do that yeah yeah, absolutely. I could say it for sure. One of like
1: the five biggest basketball players in the world got caught.
0: Like, <laughs> come on. You be, defending you be himself.
1: Might not be on there.
0: Yeah. It's too oh, good. Man.
1: Yeah. I, and anyway. you know what? Another thing I think that contributes to that is too, is on, uh, for between two stalls, like he would always have these little details of stuff that people would joke about from twitter like the emily in paris thing originated from him talking about it in one of like the when he was mic'd up or whatever and i remember after that came out people were like going nuts about it and it was all over twitter like i'm pretty sure netflix had retweeted it or something like that and then he has the emily in paris picture next to him like on it and then there's just like little like meme joke things that he had and i'm like this man's lurking is he sabers drill
0: I think we know who Saber Strilla is. I think I am, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure I know. I'm no, not going to blow you up your really spot, think,
1: I think I, mean, I know who it is. We don't need to out anybody here, but I know who you're thinking that it is. Do you actually think that?
0: Yes, it is Chris Ostrander. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Shout sorry out, sorry, Chris. Chris Ostrander. I, he was on my mind because he was one of the people that didn't understand the High School Musical thing. But by the way, what? I hated it. Well, yeah, because he's older than uh, us, I think, yeah. isn't he? Th- th- that's Chris what I'm saying,
1: dude. Hi, Chris. There's it's a- a
0: thing. Yeah, hey, Chris. There's a hard cutoff, like I said. If You're Chris right. is older than, like, 35, yeah. then he was out of high school by the time became I think he's around Mag's thing.
1: age. I, he might be, like, a year or two older than my oldest well, – Mag is my oldest sister. But I think he's right around there. Wasn't he an Ambrose guy? He's a South Buffalo
0: guy I know, right? Did, did he
1: go to Ambrose?
0: That's your department, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't
1: know. Anyways. Didn't
0: go to South Buffalo Charter. So mm. Only Kings. Yeah. Also, he he literally too old to have gone there. Yeah. The highest grade was two grades above me. Anyway, just want to get to that. Jeff Skinner, really cool. And Breaking Free, I like it a lot more. I was wrong in middle school about that song specifically. I will never revisit High School Musical because I'm sure it was terrible.
1: Ooh, come on.
0: But Breaking Free is good. Wait, you haven't ever seen either of the movies? No, I've seen all the movies. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Okay, it's weird in hindsight because I watched the original movie, staying over at our friend uh, Patrick Gilson, MD's house. Hey, this is right after I moved. So I know exactly when it came out. It was January, February 06, because I just moved and I didn't have cable for a little while because we we're waiting for who was it? What is it called? At the time Adelphia, 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 shown go. up uh, to do our cable yet. So we didn't have it for like a month. So I'd always watch Disney Channel original movies as a kid. And then High School Musical was coming out, which, by the way, is, it was the biggest one by like 10,000 miles, like cultural phenomenon. Yeah. And I remember watching it and being like, I hate this. And it was the biggest thing in the world. And then um, my godmother, who is Brendan's cousin, uh, (laughs) got it for me for DVD. Yeah, shout out for my birthday. And she was like, this is like Greece. And I was like, uh, I don't know. But anyway, I so I uh, I watched the second one. I actually don't remember why because I didn't like it. And then the third one, I had to take my little cousin Ben to the movies. That was probably when I was like 15. And he really liked it. And. I saw him at the game last night, actually. So full circle, we're back to the game. And my thought on the first line is basically it's going to come together. They're fine. I do have someone I'm a little concerned with, and you'll hear about that after a word from our sponsor. Wow. This episode is brought to you by DraftKings. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener. Offer every game day this October. So, folks, what do we what do we have coming up? Brendan, you knew we have coming up this Sunday? Oh, you bet I do. The Buffalo Bills and New England Patriots, folks. The Bills are favored by eight over the Patriots. Ooh. Wow. In New England. Ooh. I guarantee that has not happened at any point since the early 90s, probably. So, it's been a minute. You want to take advantage of that, you go to DraftKings Sportsbook. So get on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit wwwone gamblernet and your call 877 8 hope Y or text hope Y at four six seven three six nine in Connecticut. Help us available for problem gambling at 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 and over, but age will vary by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources folks a little concerned about Dylan Cousins so far but then he scored that overtime goal so maybe I'm not concerned anymore (laughs) Brendan your thoughts
1: Fair. yeah Cousins is a really interesting case here Taylor I I don't really know what to make of it I mean it's been a a pretty rough start to the season for him and it was great that he was able to get rewarded in overtime, getting that overtime winner. Hopefully that leads to him maybe getting a little bit of confidence in that rolling into the, to the next game here, but I really didn't love it. And I'm not going to lie, even though I thought that they didn't have like a horrible game necessarily, it wasn't the best effort out of Krebs playing with him and Paterka as well. Like, I I mean, I still think it's worthwhile to give it a a couple of games, maybe to see how it goes before you start and tinker with things a little bit more. I think that holding the course right now, keeping Jost where he is there on the fourth line is definitely the move. And then maybe you give another game or two to Krebs, Paterka and Cousins. And if it still isn't working after maybe like two or three more games, then you can maybe look and like see for ways that you can kind of mess around with the top nine a little bit, but I I don't know. I mean, you're right. Like it didn't feel like he was very noticeable out there. He definitely didn't feel as though he was uh, the usual difference maker or play driver that we normally see on the ice. And I don't know if I'm necessarily ready to say that I'm, I'm worried, but I will say that it is noticeable. And there was a couple of eyebrow raising moments where I was like, that was not the Dylan cousins we saw last year.
0: I agree. I think Dylan cousins, uh, last year especially, showed how dangerous he could be in the offensive zone and how kind of ferocious of a four-checker he is. Yep. And are just not seeing that, man. It's just, and like, to your point, it hasn't been the ideal situation with his line mates so and maybe he misses Quinn, but before overtime, he's really just not noticeable as much as a four-checker. And that second line just feels so feeble out there. Yeah. It's, there's kind of nothing happening. Like, yesterday was a good example, because Olofsson, oh, what a mess. <laughs> last night, it was more like, well, you're not going to score on us. We're not going to score on you, and that's kind of weird. Cousins had 30 goals last year, so yep it's it's, uh, it's a strange strange situation. But yeah, I mean, we have to deal little... with Quinn not being there for half the season,
1: right? Which means you're going to need to get some answers there. And I think that that brings me back to a conversation that we had. I don't believe it was last episode, but it was it, right before the start of the season with the thought of do you mess with the top line potentially and look at that as a way that you can kind of spread out the talent on the lineup while you're waiting for Quinn to come back. And I think that there may be a something to that. I know I have said this for, and I'm going to preface by saying, I haven't recently looked at what any of their numbers are together. And I actually will do this ahead of next episode, but I still am very intrigued by the, by the idea of putting Skinner with cousins. I, I there's just something about the two of them that I think that could work. And you know, Tage and Tuck staying together, I think, would be good. Uh, either way, like we said, it really what it comes down to is you're either going to keep Tage and Tuck together or Tage and Skinner together. I I don't think there's really any sense in doing the whole like putting middle stat as the one C and then having to move Tage to your wing or uh, to a wing or something like that. That just no, no, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. But I think that there could be some value in that. And so I would be very curious if at some point or another we end up getting a look at. Dylan Cousins playing with Jeff Skinner I I just think the skill sets offset there I think that they could work really well together um and again I could be totally wrong about that but at least it it piques my interest a little bit and so I would say you know give it like we said give it a couple more games with this see if we can get in a rhythm maybe with Krebs with Cousins and Paterka I mean you ended up getting a win last night so I have to think that Granado is going to keep the lineup the same for Calgary on Thursday but if something doesn't noticeably improve in the next couple of games, both for the second line and if like the goals aren't falling for the first line, even if they are looking pretty good, I do wonder if Granado then looks to maybe tinker there a little bit. What would you do in that situation? Oof
0: oh boy. Uh I I don't know. I guess moving Skinner down from the second line to the second line is an interesting idea. I think God, who? I mean, who goes up there to replace Skinner, though? Depend. I I don't know. I would try Krebs, maybe. I was going to say that. Is Not Krebs, in- is it- Krebs- it's- like, is his offensive game been bad enough that that's too much of a risk? Or do you just say, like, we got to figure this shit out now and those other guys aren't particularly? Well, you'd have Tuck up there. He's okay in his own zone. Yeah, and I mean, having
1: Chris would be good too, like having two guys. Also, quick thing on Jeff Skinner. I know that he doesn't have the best defensive reputation, and you and I both have kind of been of the belief that he's a bit underrated when it comes to that. I thought that was on full display last night, and I think a huge part of it is because he is so, so good with his stick. Like, stick checking and just agitating and being able to just, like, put pressure on the defenseman when they're at the point or in just battles along the wall in his own zone – I, there was, I think, maybe three or four plays yesterday where they ended up exiting the zone because it started off with him stick checking a guy and being able to force the puck away. Like, I, I just wanted to give him props there because I thought that that was that's a very underrated part of his game.
0: Yeah, oh, for sure. And that's kind of what I think the best thing we've seen from Benson so far in uh, the defensive yeah, zone is like, active that kind stick, of- for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I I think with breaking the first line up, maybe you try Krebs up there and maybe you just think like, well, Tage and Tuck play so well together, they can carry someone offensively who hasn't been all that great offensively. And can pick up the slack
1: defensively,
0: you know? Yeah. Maybe that
1: forces Krebs, because I'll also say too, with Krebs, they didn't have necessarily, like I said, they didn't have a great game, but there was also a few plays that I thought that a, a few really nice passes that I thought that Krebs had both in the neutral zone and in the offensive zone too, that, again, like it's just like little stuff like that that you really don't get from from Olafson and on Krebs specifically, it's just like, I don't know. you you're just I don't know if he has the juice fully to like be like a legit like middle six top six guy, but he has i there's just something about the traits that he has. Between like the vision and passing and everything like that and his, his skating ability that just makes me wonder like damn like is this guy really not going to be able to put it together because it feels like it's it's there.
0: Yeah, yeah, th- th- it is interesting. So I'm I'm not like I'm definitely willing to give him some opportunities at yeah. the lineup like that. Um, but hey, Calgary. Thursday.
1: we I actually was hoping we could just talk about the defense a little bit. because oh, yeah. This is very interesting. For one, yeah. Matias Samuelson goes down. Day to day. Do we have an update on that? Day to day. Day to day. Okay. So we don't know quite yet what his status Death sentence. So that could either be he's going to play tomorrow or he's going to be out for the next four years and he doesn't have any legs anymore. We'll see what happens. But I will say I want to commend the Sabres defense group because it felt like – Things were a little bit choppy the first half of the game or so. And obviously, it's very, very unfortunate that they ended up losing Samuelson. I do want to give them props, though, because it felt like they really, really settled in. And it felt like there was a lot smoother and a more flowing game. And with the the puck on the defenseman stick after that, like it just felt before that, like I said, it was just like a little choppy. There was some messy passes there. There wasn't really a whole lot of confidence. And I don't know if it was that they all knew that they needed to pick up the slack for each other. Well, I think maybe it is, is that you got some look at some different defensive pairings that I thought some of which worked kind of well and were pretty interesting there. But Overall, I just think that the Sabres defense group should absolutely be commended for their performance last night after losing Matias Samuelson. And I'll also say too, he has been our, our whipping boy, I would say for the first two games. And, and he, you know, we've made clear you and I, how we feel about Henry Yoki Haryu. He had a fine game last night. I, I thought Yoki Haryu played really well. I think if anything, it lends to the point that he should be playing with Darlene. And then you put Samuelson with power because again, like just the product of being with Darlene, you're going to end up having okay numbers as it is. But I thought that Yoki Haru ended up playing really well. And I'll also say too, I thought that even though he had some rough coverage and awareness on the first Tampa Bay goal, I thought Connor Clifton overall had a, a relatively solid game and Eric Johnson too. I, I'll give some credit there. There were a, a couple of times early on in the game that I was like, oh God, like, man, he does not have a jump or a burst or anything like that. He's he's not a fast skater. He's not a burner by any means. But as the game went on, there were more and more of these little moments from him that I was like, okay, this is why they signed this guy. Like, this is why they brought him in. And I say that as somebody that was a proponent of the sign it went, signing when it happened. You were as well. We both were about it. Like, it's it, it was a good move. And it just felt like, after he was able to get in a rhythm a little bit after a couple of shaky plays early on, it just felt like it was like, all right, this is why you go out and get just like a veteran defensive presence of this level. And one thing that I will say too, that I think was kind of the perfect culmination of all of that was at the end of the game, they had a defensive zone face off. I think there was maybe like a minute and a half left or so maybe even a little bit less, but as they're coming onto the ice after the change, Johnson ends up getting everybody together. I think he was out there with Darlene and maybe it was the fourth. It was either the, no, Darlene in the third line. I'm pretty sure it was them. He gets all of them together just outside of the faceoff circle. He calls them in, clearly says something to them for a play. I wonder if he was saying if we win the drawback that you switch it and bring it around the net to break it out of the zone because it felt like that's just immediately what they went to. But that's exactly what happened. You had Peyton Krebs win the faceoff, or was it Krebs or Middlestat? One of those guys. Somebody wins the faceoff, goes back. They then cycle the puck around the net, gets it up the boards on the breakout, and boom—you're you're out of your zone and you're you're on the attack. And I just thought that that was. So great because how often do you see it where you have guys get together for a huddle or they're like saying that they're gonna like they're 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 saying something for a play that's gonna be coming up and they're covering their mouths and everything like that and then they end up losing the face off draw and it doesn't mean shit. This was just like gorgeous that it just felt like Johnson like everybody was locked on to him even Dalene paying attention to him like glued to what he's saying and then it was just the beautiful. Breakout play under pressure that I was just so impressed with, and it was like one of those moments where it's like, again, like, damn, this is why they signed that dude.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, in general, with the defense, I'm moderately worried about Samuel Sutton. Yeah, uh, the day to day thing, whatever, I was kind of joking about that, but this is like the fourth time in like 18 months now, yeah, he's gone on the injured list. That's a huge concern. Uh, secondly. I do agree with you about uh, Johnson, like really nice game from him yesterday. Really nice game from Yoki. Haru. What I've been really impressed by is Owen power. I think power is awesome. I think he's looks much better in his own zone. And I think it's going to look bad that someone at a certain uh, subscription website who covers hockey prospects uh, said that he'd be taken in a third in a redraft of 2021.
1: Oh, my God. There's just so much with that that I'm just mm-mm, mm-mm. there was uh, oliver nadu over isaac rosean oliver nadu don't get me wrong nadu maybe turns into something nice but over a first round pick who has shown the flashes that rosean has oh my god inexcusable stupid uh, luke i think it was kev was the one our, our our dear pal kev slash former guest host from a couple episodes ago who was like He was so impressed with or uh, that. Prondman was so impressed with Luke Hughes, scoring rate. But meanwhile, you know, Owen Power was as a 19 year old being a legitimately good NHL defender. But yeah, yeah. I believe he put it as like scoring rates.
0: If only uh, Owen Power had a unbelievable draft plus two season in college. Unfortunately, he was busy being great in the NHL. So I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, Corey, get your shit together. (laughs) Um, That's all my thoughts on the defense, though. No thoughts on Clifton yet. The team defense,
1: too. I think that was something from last yeah. year we talked about coming in. We talked about it all offseason, and and it was a huge talking point for everybody. Team defense last year was atrocious. And while there was some essence of parking the bus in the third period that I know we don't love, people in general don't love, the, the team defense this season, yesterday, in this very early season, obviously, miles and miles better. Yeah. Which is again, you just need to be like average. You just have to be like pretty good. You don't need to be like the early two thousands, new Jersey devils or something like that. Like you can just be pretty good and it's going to get you far.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. I think Tage, Tage also, uh, if you look at the charts so far, Tage's defense is, in particular, is much improved as is the first lines, which is good. But you know, add some scoring to that, you'll be all set. Mm-hmm. The first right game then. notwithstanding, they, they, yeah, they just
1: need to, they just need to start falling, and I, I and I think they're gonna get there. It, it's exactly what we said on Monday that this is an eighty-two game season, and whether we want to say, oh, isn't the preseason why uh you know the, for guys to get back into shape whatever it, it, it's not even remotely comparable to regular season hockey and everything that goes into that the intensity of it all like the game day routine the travel like it takes time so yeah. I, i'm not gonna sit here and say oh yeah they they looked however over the first two or three games and like this is what our fate is no th- let them come into their own a little bit Tage hasn't scored in three games okay like Give them some time here. Like we, we can afford to, I mean, every game matters, of course, but people could say, oh, well, the Sabres missed by one point. Yeah, the, the Sabres missed by one point last year, not because they didn't win games in the beginning of the season. It's because they were losing games after they should have been in a groove, like around the turn of the calendar.
0: Yeah, the, the one point. Why. Yeah, you can't you can't use the one point thing after every loss this year because the Sabres lost 30 games last year-ish, a little bit over 30. So like any one of those games could be the game. You can't just be like every game and be like, "Oh, yep. I missed by one point last year." Like every every game's the game. That's, yep. So that's don't worry too much about that. Don't think about the playoffs. It's October. Yeah. 100%. Just worry about looking good. Um uh, anyway, good luck against the Flames, I guess Thursday night. They uh they're 1-1 and 1 and they're starting Dan later.
1: Which Flader, talk about that, Darth Vader versus as...
0: Qui Gon Jin.
1: Wow, damn. Well, he came up as being uh, a potential possibility, being available, uh, being made available by Calgary, I should say. And I think it would make sense that the Sabers would have a little bit of interest there. I mean, I think he's a definite upgrade over UPL and Comrie. I can't imagine that the cost would be anything too crazy. So if it means that you have Comrie or UPL going back or something like that, I I, I don't really see what's keeping you from making that move if he is on the market.
0: Uh, well, I'm looking right now, but I don't think he's played yet this year, which is interesting. Mm. I think, like, you, your theory is they just want to bring up Dustin Wolf. I, that is and, what I
1: believe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he seems that makes
0: sense. Like, it makes sense to me. Uh, in general, though, uh, how sure are we that he's better than Comrie and UPL?
1: Decently pretty?
0: Interesting. Perfect. I didn't look at the advanced stats or anything, but he played twenty-seven games last year. He was a eight ninety-four. Okay. He's played let's see, fifty games with forty-two starts.
1: You know what is like goal saved is above?
0: No, I didn't look at any of that. Yeah, uh, I, w- I would have looked ahead of time, but uh, nine hundred career save percentage in those forty-two starts. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that actually is a difference from Comrie mm-hmm. or UPL. Well, maybe oh. UPL, but I don't know. We'll see.
1: Do you think one of them goes on Friday or on uh, Thursday?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I I don't know. I think maybe you should try Comrie. Yeah. That might be a good situation to do that.
1: You got to do it sooner or later.
0: Yeah. Allegedly, you can't uh just start your goal 82 times. Seems like a fake news thing. I don't know. I know the Blues tried that one time. Huh? So I don't know if it worked. Someone else looked that up if that worked <laughs> when they, they started Grant Fear all but one game.
1: Oof. Good for them. Good for them.
0: All right. Well, any last thoughts, Taylor, you'd like to share before we sign off for the day? Yeah, I recommend Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Great show.
1: Could not agree more. Excellent. And renewed for season four, as a matter of fact. That's right. All right, I'm going to recommend another podcast, actually, for anybody who is a fan of music or of lyrics or poetry or writing or anything of the sort. I, just this past week, started listening to McCartney, A Life in Lyrics. And it's a new podcast featuring Paul McCartney and a what is the guy's name he's an Irish poet I think his name is also Paul Paul Muldoon is the name of the fella he is a a poet and who has been friends with Paul McCartney for quite some time and it's essentially just a conversation uh each episode is about 20 minutes and it's a conversation regarding the lyrical creation of some of Paul McCartney's most famous songs it is folks fascinating like i will preface by saying i'm a huge beatles fan i love paul mccartney one of my favorite artists of all time but you don't even have to be a beatles fan to find this this fascinating if you're like a history fan if you're a fan of like i said music or lyric writing anything like that i highly highly recommend because it weaves in and out of their conversations with one another then with just like the added context of what they're talking about and it's really talking about the ways that what makes paul mccartney such a great lyricist is the fact that he's able to pull from a lot of the events and real world stuff happening around him and and this podcast like totally lends to that and gives you this unprecedented inside look at like his psyche as he was like writing really famous songs. Like the, the first three episodes are about Eleanor Rigby back in the USSR and then Let It Be. And all of them are, are so fascinating. Like Eleanor Rigby, for example, goes into about how he came up with the name of it and how it was this very descriptive, supposed to be like a, a storytelling poem kind of uh, kind of a song. And then Back in the USSR was amazing. This was probably my favorite episode because At the time, you have, you know, like the Beach Boys doing Surfing USA and you had Chuck Berry song that was back in the US and all of these songs glamorizing the USA and like Western culture and everything. And so he wrote it as almost like a parody of a guy who was from the ussr and had moved to the west but was like oh i can't wait to go back and talking about all the things that he loves about being there as compared to it and kind of like doing it like a very very tongue-in-cheek way and just hearing him go through a lot of those real world political otherwise references and how those got integrated into the lyrics it was it was fascinating and so if you're a music buff you're a history buff whatever you like writing or you just like listening to, to cool conversations over podcast. McCartney: A Life in Lyrics. I promise you, you will not regret it. Really, really good. Interesting. Interesting, interesting indeed. All right, well, folks, the next time you will hear from us will be on Monday. We'll have plenty to talk about then. So make sure you're tuning into the next episode of Straight Up Sabers. This podcast has brought to you by has been brought to you by the Charging Buffalo and the Hockey Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. Make sure you're going and checking out all of our fellow shows, and you're following both the Charging Buffalo and the Hockey Podcast Network on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. Straight Sabres on Twitter, Straight Up Sabres on Facebook and Instagram. And last but not least, we have our wonderful sponsor, folks. Oh, we we just we love them so much. And that, of course, is DraftKings Sportsbook. Make Make sure, you're using that promo code THPN. Get those picks in now, get those bets in. Mac Jones, bet against them. You, you can't go wrong, folks. Go bills, go burrs. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday. This is Ben straight up.